You're listening to Lockdown Wildcats. I'm Ross O'Hare, and I'm filling in for Mike Luke again. And on today's episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the Arizona-Tennessee game from Wednesday night. We're going to analyze every aspect of this game from uh, the player performance to coaching to interesting stats and just overall takeaways. So if you're looking to overanalyze everything about this loss like I do and see just how Arizona can improve and what areas that we need to work on, then this breakdown today is for you. So that's the rundown for today. Let's dive right in. And, you know, let's start with just some overall stats, right? I mean, the game... Um, final score was 77 Tennessee, 73 Arizona. And just a few things run down. Matherin had a great game. He was 8 for 16 overall, 3 of 9 from deep, and 9 of 11 from the free throw line. Had 8 rebounds and 5 assists to his 2 turnovers. And he played all but 4 minutes. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Now, um, we've also got, let's see who else played. Uh, Dalen Terry was four for six, 0-1 from three, only took two free throws, had six rebounds and four assists in 30 minutes, so pretty good. Tubelis, of course, only six points, played 14 minutes, was in foul trouble most of the game, and those six points that he got were really in the last two minutes. I mean, he scored his first two points exactly at the two-minute mark. Uh, Kukrisa had 11 points, three of 10 shooting, three of 10 from deep, so every shot he took was a three-pointer, two of two from the line, three rebounds, three assists, and uh, four turnovers. Played all but two minutes. Coloco, again, was foul trouble, played 19 minutes, 2 of 3 from the field, 0 of 2 from the line, only 3 rebounds in those 19 minutes, and 5 fouls. Uh, Pella Larson, 2 of 7 overall, 4 points, 25 minutes, played a few more minutes than normal because of the foul trouble, 3 rebounds, 2 assists. Uh, Kyer had 9 points, 3 of 5 from deep, 3 of 6 overall, 3 rebounds, missed his only free throw, which was a 1 and 1. Had one assist and three turnovers in 24 minutes. And then Umar Balo, two points, one of four from the field, five rebounds in 14 minutes. Um, for Tennessee overall, I mean, Chandler Fulkerson, or I mean, not Chandler Fulkerson, I apologize, but Kennedy Chandler, their point guard, only had eight points, played pretty good on him. He went two for 14 overall, 0 for, 0 for three from deep, three rebounds, four assists, two turnovers in 34 minutes. We played pretty good against him. Uh, Fulkerson, number 10, he was really the force for them. 24 points, 8 of 13 shooting, 8 of 12 from the line, 10 rebounds in 30 minutes. And really after that, they had a couple players. Vescovi, uh, 5 of 16 overall, not a great shooting night, but 3 of 12 from deep, 5 rebounds in 32 minutes. Uh, James, who, I mean, great player for them, 2 of 6 from deep, 5 of 11 overall, had 12 points. Um, five rebounds, three turnovers, and then after that, really, you know, besides Powell on the bench, they didn't else they didn't really have anybody else that played well. Powell scored 11 points, three of four from the field, one of two from deep, four of six from the free throw line with four rebounds. They had a pretty good overall team re- rebounding night. They had 40 rebounds overall. We hit to our 38, so not a huge discrepancy. The discrepancy really came was offensive rebounding. That was 16 to 10, and really in the first half. They had, um, I think it was tw- 10 offensive rebounds in the first half, and that really you know, paid a, played a big part in this game. We also had 12 turnovers in the first half that played a big part in this game. And so let's just kind of start from the beginning, right? The game starts, the first half's going, and we come out slow. We're tight on offense. We're tentative, out of sync. Um, and the opposite is Tennessee came to play. I mean, they were being aggressive. They were, I mean, they were the ones that just – wanted it more at the beginning and honestly they were just playing really good d their defense is this high pressure type of defense that uh, puts pressure on the ball handler but then any passing lanes too 
And we just came out tentative on our back foot, and they took advantage of it. I mean, all the turnovers that we had, they were more aggressive on the offensive rebounds like we talked about. And they just punched us in the mouth first, and they got out to a 16-2 to lead. And really, that was the story of the game. I mean, as much as we came back and fought our way back in to make this, you know, to tie the game in twice in the last eight minutes, it really came down to this start where we don't start like this. We don't start soft and tentative, and um, I don't want to use the word scared, but just not ready. Um, we win this game. Uh, despite the refs, despite any of the shooting woes that we had or foul troubles that we had, we win this game if we don't start like that. And that's something that's got to change because that's been a, a little bit of a problem that we've had the last three games. Well, four, three, three games, maybe four, but especially the last three, Northern Colorado, Cal Baptist, and now Tennessee, where the other team was just more aggressive. They came out wanting it more than us. And it's difficult because as a team, you know, the beginning of the year, what I really loved about this team is it didn't matter who we were playing, cupcake or not. We came out and we were the aggressor. We wanted it more. And, you know, you saw that by 50-point wins. When you play a bad team and you're 50 points better than them, you should beat them by 50. And um, we just we haven't had that same drive in the last three games. And I, I have to speculate that it may have something to do with maybe the fact that we're starting to read our own you know, press clippings. And we're starting to maybe believe some of the hype about our team because this team deserves it. I mean, this team is very, very good. Um potentially one of the best in the country, but there's a temptation that you have when you're a great team to just kind of not mail it in because I don't believe any one of these players is just phoning it in when they're playing, but it's one of those things where you start to believe, hey, if we just roll the ball out there, we're going to show up and win. It doesn't matter who we're playing. We're just going to show up and win, and that's a dangerous mentality because teams are going to take advantage of that. You're going to, you think you can just show up, kind of go through the motions. They're seeing you as the number six team in the country, and they're going to give you their best shot. They're going to come ready for a fight when you're kind of just ready to go through the motions, and that's a bad recipe. And that's that's on everybody involved. That's on the players. That's on the coaches. That's something that's got to be fixed. And maybe that's something that's fixed through a loss, like with Tennessee here. And maybe that's fixed just through uh, different motivations, different ways of getting people ready and motivated in this game or any of the games going forward. And, you know, it's up to Tommy Lloyd. It's up to the players themselves individually to prepare in such a way that they have something again to prove, right? That was the difference. At the beginning of the year, we were unranked. We had something to prove every single game going out there to whether it was national pundits or the fans or to themselves that they belong in the conversation of being the best one, one, one of the best teams in the country. And then that kind of came true. They became one of the best teams in the country. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, now we can just show up. And again, that may or may not be the reason. There's lots of things that go into it. Obviously, when you travel all the way across the country to Knoxville, Tennessee, there's, you know, there's sleeping in a different bed. There's the travel aspect of it. You're, you're in a different routine, and that can mess someone up in, in a game where you come out flat. But there's a difference between coming out flat and then not being mentally tough, right? And to me, we showed that we weren't mentally tough in that first 10 minutes of the game because... When we got punched in the mouth, it took us way too long for us to respond and come back with the aggression that we needed. Um, we kept turning the ball over, kept giving them easy baskets. I mean, I rewatched the game. And in fact, I was at the game. So I, I, after the game, I went and rewatched it so I could see it from the TV perspective. And it was, it was more infuriating to watch it from the TV perspective than in person because you're caught up in the moment. You're hearing the crowd. You're seeing the the game unfold, in, you know, in person, but on TV, it's, it's just a different experience. And 
I just saw so many missed opportunities and so many 50-50 balls that bounced Tennessee's way because they were being more aggressive, right? I got frustrated because I'm like, oh man, that never happens. The ball doesn't bounce like that and land in someone's hands and they make an and one layup. Like that just doesn't happen, but it does when you're being more aggressive. And I think they've got to shore up and somehow get to the point where they can be more mentally tough in these games. And again, maybe this loss is what does that, right? 12 turnovers at half, allowing uh, 12 offensive re- or 10 offensive rebounds in the first half, nine second half or second chance points. I mean, they, they had 20 points in the paint in the first half to our 10. I mean, we are one of the tallest, if not the tallest team in NCAA basketball. We have Coloco, we have Balo, Tabellis. I mean, it's not as if, I mean, we, we have dominant big guys and they dominated us because we were not ready. We just did not come with mental toughness into this game. And it took really getting punched in the mouth repeatedly for us to finally wake up, right? The first, the first half score was 30, 34 to 21. And that's pretty indicative of how the first half was, although it could have been a whole lot closer. We made a run with about you know two, three, four minutes to go in the first half to cut it to five. And then again, we laxed on defense. We thought, hey, we, we're bringing it back in. We've got to where we need to. And then all of a sudden, it's they make a three. They get an and one. They make a fast break layup. And after a turnover, after offensive rebound, it's just one of those things where those things came back again to end the half. So we end the half 34-21. And, of course, you know, you always wonder what coach says at halftime. You never know unless you're in there. But, you know, we came out in the second half, and it was a different team that came out. And we'll talk about that right after the break. But um, really one of the things I want to analyze after the break is just what changed mentally, but also how we can, you know, take the second half of this performance and keep that going forward as our team plays that way every single game. But first, let's talk about Oracle's net suite, right? This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But you're, but on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility. Because if you are, then you're still relying maybe on spreadsheets or outdated financial software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud finance system to power your growth. It, with visibility and control of your finance, financial inventory, HR, budgeting, you name it, NetSuite has everything you need to grow and all in one place. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new years, NetSuite has a new finance, financing program for those ready to upgrade to NetSuite.com locked. So head to netsuite.com slash locked for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. netsuite.com slash locked. All right, you're listening to Locked On Wildcats, and I'm Ross O'Hare, and we're going to dive into the second half of the Tennessee-Arizona game. And, you know, after the first half, really playing the worst half that we've played all year. Again, credit to Tennessee for their high pressure. But we came out in the second half, and the first couple of possessions, I immediately noticed a difference. I mean, we looked more in rhythm, more in sync, less rushed with the ball. 
It's like, you know, it's we just needed to almost wake up. And then once we did, we could run and play as Arizona plays, right? With speed and pace, but under control, making the right reads, making the right plays. A lot of pick and rolls, dribble handoffs. I mean, a lot of movement. And that just wasn't there in the first half. And so when we got going, it was just one of those things where we looked a lot more locked in in the second half. And we cut the lead almost within the first four or five minutes down to four. Right, if it was 40 to 44, Barnes, Coach Barnes takes a timeout for Tennessee, and then after that timeout, they extend it back out. It was like we, you know, he made some adjustments. We we were slow to adjust back to it. They got the lead back up to nine, and it was back and forth at nine for you know went up to 12, back down to five for the next 10 minutes or so. Small runs by both teams back and forth. It was like we would make a few baskets. And either Coach Barnes would call a timeout, which was very smart on his part. I mean, he's been around for a while, although Arizona has owned him until, you know, Wednesday night. Um, and he called timeouts to slow the momentum down. Or one of them would, one of their players would hit a clutch three or basket back-to-back that would really just slow the momentum down and swing it back in their favor. But the small runs kept going back and forth, and nobody could really get in the rhythm. And again, you got to credit good coaching on their end by stopping the momentum every time we got a few baskets. And really, for the first 10 to 12 minutes of the game, it, we kind of settled into this back-and-forth seesaw game, herky-jerky, if you might say, where really it was a run here, a run there, run here, run there, and nobody could really get into a rhythm. And then at about the 7.30 mark in the game, we hit, we hit our stride. I mean, we, we went on a 14-2 run to tie the game at 62 and it was it was 48 to 60 and we went on a 14 to 2 run and it was like the everything changed being in the stadium everything changed the air was sucked out of the stadium like there was a different feel about the game all of a sudden Arizona had belief and Arizona was playing with passion you could see Terry, on Terry's face and Carice's face they were their usual jubilant self and you know it was one of those things where at that moment the game was right for taking and this, the weirdest thing happened, and I don't like to talk about the rest very often because I don't think that, you know, as Coach Tommy Lloyd said after this game, he said, you know, the person who complains the first or the most about the rest is usually the loser. And it's true. I mean, in 99% of the circumstances, those complaining about the rest are the ones that lost. And But in some games, it's just a little different, right? And in this game, it just felt like the refs got caught up in the moment of what happened after that run. We tie at 62, and it's almost like the, the whole building tightened up. The fans got tight. Their players got tight. The, the stress of the environment got even more so. And you got 21, 22,000 people in this stadium stressed. You've got the players playing hard. And it's, it's natural for a ref to maybe get caught up in that, but it was almost like they couldn't handle the moment. right? The amount of fouls that were called, the amount of you know touch fouls and phantom calls that were called, and even the technical against Creesa, which, I mean, had to be one of the worst technical fouls. I, you know, I believe if you watch the video back, you see that it looks like Kreese is talking to Terry in the paint, and he says something like, let's go, and then the ref calls a technical, and even Terry's saying he wasn't talking to you. you know, obviously, this is all just from what I can tell from the video. It could be completely wrong. Um, as far as I know, nobody's come out and said what they said. Um, but either way, it just was like a, a, at that moment, you don't call it technical unless it's something egregious. It's called a technical foul because it's over the top. It's to the point where it's aggressive. It's, you know, there's, there's cursing on the, on the court. There's someone being punched on the court or a flagrant foul or whatever, right? But you don't call it technical 
off somebody saying let's go or even saying something in the heat of the moment, um, you've got to be able to be under control as a referee to read the situation, to read the room and know, hey, okay, this is a tight game. I need to have a conversation with this player if he truly is talking to me and get him back under control before you just, you know, <laughs> uh, give somebody a T with a few minutes left in the game in a one possession game. So moving on from that. But it just, again, that was the indicative of the whole last eight to 10 minutes of the game. It's as if the refs couldn't handle the moment. And I think that really affects the way that you play the game, of course, but it affects your psyche because you're not only then now playing the team, but it changes the way you play when you know you're going to be called for every single contact in the game. And basketball is a physical game, right? You're not going to get through a basketball game without contact and physicality. And the fact that we shot 59% in the second half and Tennessee shot 37% is indicative of not only just us getting back in the game, but the, the, the way we were playing, right? The problem is, is we were shooting better and playing better. They took 23 free throws in the second half alone, right? We were five for five in the first half from the free throw line. They went 15 for 23 in the second half. And you think about it, if they make any, a few more of those free throws, that's, that's not a very close game because of what the refs were doing. We got called for 28 fouls, which is the most fouls called against Arizona since 2010 when we played Kansas. I mean, again, perspective, 11 years since Arizona's been called for that many fouls. And another one more thing is, you know, Tennessee, on average, took 17 free throws a game, which was ranked 356 in NCAA basketball. So there's not a team, there's not as if they were a team that drew, drew a lot of fouls, that, you know, went to the free throw line a lot, and they went to the free throw line, I mean, it was, I mean, let's see how many times they went to the free throw line, because I think it was a total of 27 times, and although they only shot 66%, 27 free throw attempts in a game compared to what, our 18? I mean, that's the game right there, right? And you put that on the ref, in the referee's hands where, okay, you could say, well, you got to adjust to the referees, but when it's inconsistent, it's difficult to adjust, right? It's difficult to make that adjustment. And again, I, I go back to what I said at the very beginning of the podcast. If we don't allow them to get out to a 16-2 to run, the referees, you know, as bad as they were, it's a moot point, right? And so I'm caught in this tough place because a lot of people are like, it's the referee's fault. And a lot of people are like, well, if you play better, you, you know, you, you don't factor in the referees. But the reality of the game is it was both, right? Our play wasn't great and the referees factored in. And what can you control, right? Arizona control what they do offensively and de defensively and how they come out and play. And that's the takeaway here. Right over all the uh, statistical analysis, the game by you know the moment by moment breakdown all comes down to what can Arizona do to control this and learn from this. And I think defensively, the number one thing is I think we've got to come out and we've got to be the aggressor defensively. But I think what we've got to do is there was this there was a moment in this game where for maybe the first 25 to 30 minutes we were doubling the post. And Fulkerson's a great player. Like we went over at the beginning, he had 24 points, 10 rebounds, had maybe the game of his life, let's be honest. As a mediocre, decent player, you know, he's had some good games. I think last year was not great for him. 2019, he was much more consistent for them. But he's not a player that you think is like, hey, he's a next-level player that's going to for sure be an NBA-quality player that should dominate games, that should dominate a, a elite roster like Arizona has, but, and yet he did. And I think part of the problem was we didn't allow Coloco or Balo to play one-on-one -on -one until later in the game when it was close. 
And I think that's part of it. What got us closer is we changed our defense, right? And I don't understand this. If Coloco can handle guarding, you know, players like Kofi Coburn or the guy from Michigan one-on-one, then he can absolutely handle Fulkerson here one-on-one. But for the first 25 to 30 minutes, we were doubling the post, leaving their shooters open. And I, I just didn't understand it. And I'm hoping that we can start to make this adjustment to where we quit doubling the post, hug their shooters, and make their make any team's big player, you know, a post player, beat us. Right? If a post player goes off for 40 points and beats us, you, you tip your cap. What we can't have is teams raining threes on us, getting momentum against us in that way. We've got to limit it to, hey, let's allow Coloco, who's an elite defender, and Balo, who's a big guy down there, to to play defense one-on-one against their their anybody's center that we play and allow our defenders out wide to blanket anybody that they've got on the perimeter. I think that's the recipe, and I think that's the main adjustment we've got to make defensively on this team. Offensively, we've got to quit being tentative. We've got to make it, we've got to make a decision as a team to come out and be the aggressor in the game. And how that's done, I mean, that's what Coach Tommy Lloyd gets paid the money that he does, because ultimately, you know. It's a mental thing. It's You've got to be mentally tough and prepared game in and game out regardless of who you're playing, regardless of where you're playing. And um, that's the adjustment they've got to make, whether it's in preparation, whether it's in you know practice, whether it's just overall in their communication that they're talking about before, ga- before the game of how to get, you know, how to get prepared, whatever that looks like, they've got to make that adjustment. And ultimately, I think if they make those two things and learn from, you know, this game, learn from the, what they should and shouldn't do, how, some of the passes they made, some of the reads they made, if they're learning these things, then this game is worth it, right? I, I will say it a hundred times, but this game, this loss is worth it, especially because it's right before conference play, right? Conference play, if we can take these lessons, then when we go play UCLA and USC, and, you know, Oregon, although I don't know how good they are, but anybody else in the Pac-12, when we get their best shot, we will be mentally tough enough to handle it and be able to not only handle it, but thrive and learn from it and hit them right back. And that's what I think this loss will hopefully teach us as we move forward. So, uh, you know, I don't know what you think the biggest takeaways are, but I think that if we can do these things, Arizona's going to be in a great place moving forward. Now, before we go, I want to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues, it's March through the College Bowl season and the Pro Football Playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use the mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. BetOnline, where the game starts.